reading from the Old Testament Scriptures and the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel and the chapter 8. 1 Samuel chapter 8. In this chapter we have revealed to us Israel's desire for a king. They wanted to be like the nations round about and they wanted to have their own king. And Samuel here will oversee that change in government in Israel from the theocracy where God ruled to the monarchy where the king rules. First Samuel chapter 8 and the verse 1. And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and took bribes, and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together, and came to Samuel unto Ramah, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. And he said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen, and some shall run before his chariots. And he will appoint him captains over thousands, and captains over fifties, and will set them to ear his ground, and to reap his harvest, and to make his instruments of war, and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries, and to be cooks, and to be bakers. And he will take your fields, and your vineyards, and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. And he will take the tenth of your seed, and of your vineyards, and give to his officers, and to his servants. And he will take your men servants, and your maid servants, and your goodliest young men, and your asses, and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your sheep, and ye shall be his servants. And ye shall cry out in that day, because of your king, which ye shall have chosen you. 
and the Lord will not hear you on that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto their voice, and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man unto his city. Amen. We'll end there at the end of the chapter, and may the Lord add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. Amen. We're turning together in God's word to the book of 1 Samuel and to the chapter that we have read together, 1 Samuel and the chapter 8. During the past week, uh, we've been in the place of prayer each day, Monday through to Friday. And so I've been thinking much about prayer. And the Lord has drawn me to this portion of Scripture. And my text today is the words of verse 6, 1 Samuel chapter 8 and the verse 6. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And those words at the end of the verse particularly, And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And here we have an example in prayer. We'll ask the Lord for help as we come to the ministry of his word. Our gracious God and our loving Father, we do thank thee for this privilege of being able to come together here. And even with thy word before us, we can seek thy face. And we can ask, O God, for guidance and for direction from thy precious word. And thou hast encouraged us, O God, to uh, trust in the Lord and to commit our way unto the Lord and to seek thy face. And we pray, O God, that thou wouldst hear and answer this day. Hedge us now with the Saviour's precious blood. And as we look at this example in prayer, Lord, may it be even a challenge to each one of our hearts this day. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. Samuel is one of the godliest men in the whole of Scripture. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, it tells us that the Lord was with him. What a testimony that is. That here was one who from his earliest days it was said of him that the Lord was with him. And let none of his words fall to the ground. Does that faithful prophet of the Lord, what he uttered from the Lord was all fulfilled. The Lord was with him, and the Lord let none of his words fall to the ground. A mighty man of God. He's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, which is that chapter of the faithful. But even here before us in this chapter 8 of 1 Samuel, we can see an example of 
his godliness, even in the naming of his sons. When you look there at the second verse, you can see the name of his firstborn was Joel. And the name Joel means Jehovah is God. And so Samuel was seeking to honor the Lord even in the naming of his son Joel. Jehovah is God. Then in his second son, also named in verse 2, Abiah. That name means my father is Jehovah. And here was another God-honoring name. The names that he placed upon his sons. But sadly, as this chapter reveals to us, the sons did not live up to their names. They did not live in a God-honoring way. Samuel has made his sons judges in Israel. They're placed there in the south in Beersheba. And some Bible commentators believe it was a mistake by Samuel that he was wrong to promote his own two sons. Others would say he was quite entitled to make his sons judges and there's no condemnation recorded in the scriptures for him doing so. But without entering into the rights and wrongs of him making his sons judges in Israel, what we do see is a father who is seeking the best for his children. The father who is wanting to do his best for his children. There's no doubt that Samuel would have given them a good and a godly upbringing and he sought by making them judges to give them the best possible opportunity to honor the Lord. However, it was to go terribly wrong. The future that seemed to have such a bright prospect soon began to darken. His sons departed from the Lord. That actually brought a delegation from the elders of Israel to approach on to Samuel about the situation. There in verse 4, Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel on to Ramah, verse 5, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old. Now that was... That was some opening line to come to Samuel with. The elders of Israel all gathering and the first thing they tell him is that he's old. Thou art old. I'm sure he didn't need reminding of that. They didn't come to encourage Samuel here. Behold, thou art old. And then they said to further discourage his heart, And thy sons walk not in thy ways. Thy sons walk not in thy ways. Well, they weren't very sympathetic or sensitive to Samuel here. But the next thing they say is, We now want a king. We want a king to judge us like the nations. The desire was dishonoring and disloyal to the Lord. And it cut Samuel to the heart. Samuel has that heartache for his own sons and for their conduct. But if that was not bad enough, it's now compounded by the desire of Israel to have a king. 
the king really in place of Samuel. And so Samuel finds himself in a very trying situation here. And in the context that we read those words at the end of verse 6, it says, And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. As he was confronted with these difficulties, Samuel gives himself to seek the face of the Lord in prayer. And I say today he's an example in prayer. As we notice just some things here concerning Samuel and his prayer, we notice firstly the circumstances of his prayer. And we have, by way of introduction, we've given something there of the background and the build-up to uh, Samuel seeking the Lord in prayer. But when you look at the commencement of verse 6, it says, But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. Samuel is displeased. That word there can also be translated grieved. And so the thing displeased him, but it has actually grieved him. It has vexed his heart, and it has brought this displeasure and this sadness to the heart of Samuel when he sees here what is happening before him. The word displeased is used in various places in the Old Testament. For example, It was said of Joseph in Genesis 48 and the verse 17, that time when Jacob uh, was blessing the sons of Joseph and he crossed his hands over with Ephraim and Manasseh. And in verse 17 of that chapter it says, And when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. And he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head onto Manasseh's head. Joseph is so grieved and vexed and displeased at the actions of his father Jacob that he actually tries to move his hands. The word is used in Numbers chapter 11 and the verse 1. And here it's concerning the Lord when the people murmured and complained against him. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. Such was the displeasure of the Lord that his anger and his wrath and his judgment came upon the camp. Numbers 11 and the verse 10 says, Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. And you just see these examples here where that word is used. Joseph was displeased, and the Lord was displeased, and Moses was displeased. Now it's Samuel. And Samuel, his heart is low, and you can see that behind that, his sons were walking not in his ways. My, how that can displease the heart of any parent. The sons here that 
had been taught the ways of the Lord are now departing from those ways. And you look at verse 3 of our Bible reading, And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside. And they've turned aside, firstly, after lucre. They've turned aside because of the love of money. How many have been corrupted spiritually because of their pursuit of money and of the filthy lucre of wealth? We live in a very materialistic world, a materialistic society, and man is ever seeking to gain, to gain at all costs, the coveting of the things of this world. Seeking gain by unjust methods. And verse 3 goes on to say that they took bribes. Oh, they, they would have received gifts in return for favors. They were placed as judges in Beersheba, judges in Israel, and yet they're turning aside to these corrupt measures. Maybe they would have uh, released someone who was guilty or they would have uh, perverted uh, judgment because they've received gifts in order to do so. Bribery, corruption. The end of verse 3 tells us that they perverted judgment. And whenever these things happen, may the ripples go out into the society and out into the community. And whenever confidence in the judicial system fails, there will be trouble across the whole nation. And here we have it as a result of children who were born into a good and godly home, but they're turning aside from the things of God and from the paths of righteousness. They have departed from God, and even from the influence of their father. It must vex the heart of any parent when the child turns from the things that they have been taught. And many's a parent has been in this position, even the godliest of parents, as we see here with Samuel. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, they offered strange fire on the altar. How must Aaron have felt? Isaac, when Esau associated with the idolaters, how must Isaac have felt? Think about Jacob, how much grief those older sons caused him. Think about Eli, his reckless sons, unrestrained, running headlong to ruin. Think of David and all the trouble that he had within his family. And here it is Samuel. Nothing would more grieve the heart of a godly parent and to see the misconduct and the turning aside of their children. Thankfully, the reverse is true as well. Whenever children begin to walk in the ways of the Lord, you think of the elect lady in Third John in the verse 4. She says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Oh, it goes from one extreme to the other. Nothing would grieve the heart of a parent more, and nothing would please the heart of a parent more. And there's the context. There's the circumstances of this prayer. 
Samuel prayed on to the Lord. I want you to notice, secondly, the communion in his prayer. Our text of Scripture at the end of verse 6, it says, And Samuel prayed. And really just emphasizing that word there, prayed. He prayed unto the Lord. This was Samuel's response here. The elders have approached him. He could have argued with those men. Could have flown into an uncontrollable rage with those men. He could have been completely given over to despair. But he didn't do any of those things. He prayed. And he entered into communion with the Lord his God. And he was putting the thing into the Lord's hand. That was his response. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And providences seem to be dark. And the way ahead is not clear. Take it to the Lord in prayer. That's what we were singing. Joseph Scriven's great hymn actually came from a poem that he wrote to his mother. He was in Canada. He had moved there from Banbridge. And as his mother here at home was going through a very difficult time, he wrote to her, and within the letter, he penned the words of that poem. And over and over again in that poem, he was saying to his mother, Take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Carry it to the Lord. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Take it to the Lord. Carry it to the Lord. Cast it upon the Lord. Oh, at times we try to to carry it ourselves. And we try to deal with it ourselves. Take it to the Lord. Samuel prayed. He entered into communion with the Lord. He was a man of prayer. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, just a few pages over in your Bible, you could look there at the 11th verse. You're seeing a little bit into the prayer life of Samuel. 1 Samuel 15 and the verse 11, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. Such was his concern, it was a deep concern that he cried to the Lord and he continued crying to the Lord. He cried all night to the Lord. He's a man who knew what it was to lay hold upon the Lord in prayer. There's another interesting verse concerning the prayer life of Samuel. It's recorded in the Psalms, in the Psalm 99 And in the 99th Psalm and the verse 6, it says, Moses and Aaron among his priests and Samuel, among them that call upon his name, they called upon the Lord and he answered them. Samuel is named there. 
He's named among them that call upon his name. That's the testimony that Scripture gives concerning Samuel's prayer life. He's among them that call upon his name. Oh, to be known as being among them that call upon the name of the Lord. What a privilege that is. Could we put your name into that verse? It says, And Samuel was among them that called upon the Lord. Put your name in amongst those who hold on to the Lord in prayer, casting our burdens upon the Lord in communion with him. Oh, if we allow that that displeasure and that grief and that vexation of spirit uh, to enter into our hearts, it, it will corrode our hearts, it will injure our hearts, but prayer is the answer to bring all of those burdens to the Lord in prayer. During the past week, at the week of prayer, the moderator always commences the week. And he spoke to us from Nehemiah chapters 1 and 2. And he entitled the message, The Burdened Man. Nehemiah was a man with a burden. And when Nehemiah is the king's cupbearer, he hears of the state of things there in Jerusalem. It tells us in Nehemiah 1 and the verse 4, And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted. And it doesn't stop there. It says, And prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah, who was so burdened and broken about the situation, he brought it to the Lord in prayer. He sat down and he wept and mourned and fasted and prayed. And it's the same word there, prayed, that is said of Samuel in our text of Scripture. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And of course, there are other examples in the Bible of those who sought the Lord. Think of Hezekiah in 2 Kings chapter 19. It says he went up to the house of the Lord and he spread the matter before the Lord. That's what prayer is. Spreading the matter out before the Lord. Samuel laid hold upon the Lord God Almighty. He prayed on to the Lord, and it's the Lord Jehovah. And he entered into communion with the Lord his God. And I would encourage you this year in 2023, let us enter into communion together with the Lord, and let's be among them that seek the face of the Lord. We're always grateful for those who come to the place of prayer. Will you join with us in our prayer times in 2023? Samuel prayed unto the Lord. The circumstances of his prayer and the communion of his prayer, but the comfort in his prayer. Verse 7 says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, So as Samuel has prayed here, immediately the Lord begins to speak to him. The Lord heard his prayer, and he is in communion and fellowship with the Lord. 
And God answered prayer for Samuel. He would have been praying for guidance. He was spreading the whole matter out uh, before the throne of grace. And the Lord gives him that answer. But Samuel knew the Lord answered prayer. His mother taught him that. She gave him the name Samuel. That name means God hears. God hears means asked of God. Samuel was born in answer to his mother's prayer, to Hannah's prayer. She called upon the name of the Lord, and the Lord heard her prayer and answered her, and therefore she called his name Samuel, because God answers prayer. And Samuel experiences that in his own prayer life. God answered him here when he prayed. Now, the answer he received was perhaps not the answer he would have sought. It may not have been the answer that he would even have expected. Because when he brought that matter before the Lord, they're seeking a king. They're requesting a king. They want a king to rule over them. The Lord said, Samuel, if they want a king, let them have a king. If that's what they want... You give them what they want. But the Lord speaks to Samuel. And he was giving him that personal word of encouragement in answer to prayer. And he was saying to him there in that seventh verse, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. And so Samuel was not to take it to the heart personally. The Lord was saying, Samuel, it's, it's me they're rejecting. And so the Lord will reassure his servant Samuel. And what a tremendous comfort it is to know that the Lord hears our cries and the Lord answers us. And in the midst of such circumstances, the Lord can draw near to our hearts and encourage our hearts. What a comfort that is. But very quickly, just to think about the consequences of his prayer. In verse 8, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of the land of Egypt, even unto this day wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore, hearken unto their voice, Howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. And what the Lord was saying to Samuel, Well, if that's what they want, you give them what they want, but make sure they're aware of the consequences of turning away from the Lord. In consequence, turning away from Samuel. There would be consequences here in having a king. And so he's able to protest to them that they're going in the wrong direction. And there would be consequences there in going in this particular direction. In Psalm 106, it recounts something of the history of Israel. And it makes mention of this particular moment. And it says in Psalm 106, The Lord granted them their request but sent leanness into their soul. 
He sent leanness into their soul. That was seen in our Bible reading. We'll not take time to go down uh, all of those verses that we've read, but you could just mark out the word take. And what the king would take. And what consequences there would be for going in this direction. When you look into verse 11, towards the very middle of that verse, it says, He will take your sons. Verse 13, And he will take your daughters. Verse 14, he will take your fields, your vineyards, your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. Verse 15, and he will take the tenth of your seed. Verse 16, he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men. Verse 17, he will take the tenth of your sheep, and ye shall be his servants. May the consequences here of departing from the Lord it amounts to great loss. Whenever you turn from the Lord, you're no longer following the Lord. May there will be consequences. Consequences personally. You could see that with Samuel's sons. But consequences Nationally, and you could see it here right across Israel. Doesn't it underline to us the importance of prayer? Seeking the mind and the will of the Lord. We need to be faithful in the place of prayer. And we need to lay hold upon the Lord and to intercede. For the dark days in which we live, both personally and nationally, we need the Lord to intervene. And may we realize what it is, what a privilege it is to be able to seek the Lord's face in prayer. That came afresh to me this past week of being able to spend time day after day before the Lord in prayer. What a blessing that is. To think that our Lord and Savior made that possible for us. We couldn't enter into the Lord's presence of ourselves, we're unworthy. Of ourselves, we could never be accepted before the throne of God. But in the person of God's dear Son, through the shedding of His precious blood, we have that ground whereby we can come before the Lord in prayer. We can seek his face together. We come by the new and living way and pleading the merits of his precious blood. We're accepted in the beloved. And the Lord's ear is inclined to hear the cries of his children. And when we have such a privilege to seek the Lord, let us lay hold upon that opportunity that is afforded to us. And we would know the Lord coming and blessing our hearts, blessing our families, blessing our church, and blessing our land. We so desperately need it in these days. May the Lord bless these thoughts to our hearts, this example in prayer. We're going to sing 